You are listening to an MLGA Network podcast. I just wanted to introduce this with Maddie here. We did a pretty in-depth, I think it was a pretty in-depth um, interview with... Heavy discussion. Yeah, with a listener, actually, because um, she had reached out to me and said that she had been going through some pretty hard times because of the quarantine, so I thought it was really a good opportunity to talk with her and get her take on how the quarantine has affected her personally. And I really would suggest that if you guys are listening to this, share this with your friends, especially those of your friends who do not think like you or do not believe in um, opening up the economy or anything, just so that they can understand why those of us are on the side that we're on. Anything else you want to say? Um, so we thought it might be a nice idea because, so she is just an example of, you know, how this is negatively affecting people that are stuck at home. It's like, you know, it's not so safe at home sometimes for some people, but, um, you know, just because her stream of income has been halted, we thought that it might be a good idea for us to give her a little boost that, um, you know, might help prevent her from chipping away at the savings that she's been working so hard to accumulate so that she can get out of her current situation. You know, I'm sure there's so many more people like this and, you know, we can't fix the world's problems, but we can help the people around us and we can help the people that we know need help. And so, um, Jesse, well, so Jesse and I, You've heard us mess it up before, but we do have a Patreon, um, and at this point, you know, we we appreciate everything we do have, and everybody that's helped us out so far, um, definitely a nice gesture, And but I think, you know, we'd be happy to, on your behalf, listener, we'd be happy to send along some assistance to our friend Anna here that you'll hear on this episode. Um, so you can find us on Patreon at Vixens underscore voluntary, I believe. Uh, you'll find us if you search us. But also, what's uh, Jesse set it up um, so that her her Venmo account is now a Vixen Venmo. Yep. Jesse, what's the account? It's called Vixies in Need, and I think I'm just going to kind of leave it as our um, Venmo account for just whenever anything comes up where we want to help somebody who's in need. But I think for right now, any donations that come in right now um, will definitely be going towards Anna and um, her situation. So I know that everybody's strapped tight on cash right now, but if you have any extra that you can spare, you know, just... If you could send it to either our Patreon or our Venmo, that would be really great. And um, again, it's called Vixies in Need, and it has our logo, the VV logo that we have. So, so yeah, those are two ways to find us and to, okay, maybe help us in the future. But really, at this point, we're asking for your help for our friend Anna. Yep. So, thank you. And enjoy the chat. I mean, yeah. I know I get to vent a little bit about some stuff that's not necessarily on topic with Anna's problem, but I think it's all related. And I think, you know, it should all be talked about. Yep. So just so sit yeah. back, enjoy the chat. And when you're done, 
share it with your friends. Thank you. Yay. Welcome to Voluntary Vixens, where Jesse and Maddie give a female voice to news and pop culture with a libertarian twist. Join us to stay informed and challenged while keeping it sane, peaceful, and most importantly, voluntary. This is Jesse with the Voluntary Vixens, and I have Maddie here with me today. Hello. And we have a special guest, and we'll just call her Anna today. Hey, you guys. A lovely so, person we found through the Instagram community. Yes. We're very happy to have her. Thanks, you guys. And actually, Anna re- reached out to me after I made a video on Instagram, which I was um, in a spicy mood that day. But <laughs> I was talking about how the quarantine has really just been, it's been more of a problem for people than the actual viruses. And one of the things we talked about, um, or one of the things I talked about, and I've been kind of saying over and over again, is that we have people who can't go to work right now and are, you know, they don't know what their what their bills are going to look like after this is over. But a big one is the domestic violence situation. And some of these people were probably trying to save up money so they could get out of these situations. But the quarantine happened and people lost their jobs or their jobs were put on hold. And now they don't have a way to save that money. And they're sort of trapped in the house with their abuser. And um, Anna reached out to me and said, that was sort of her story. So I'm just going to kick it on over to you, Anna, if you want to just kind of explain your situation. All right. Um, so, so yeah, I'm con- basically I'm considered an essential worker, but my job relies on other essential workers in order to function. And we just don't have enough essential um, families to keep our business running right now. So we ended up having to shut down and, uh, it's been really hard because, uh, I mean, I've been in a long-term relationship for a long time and it's been very abusive, both physically and mentally. And, uh, you know, being someone who I have a lot of support from my family, but my family is not in the best situation themselves right now. So I can't solely rely on them. So I'm in a position where I've been slowly trying to build my way out of the situation I'm in, which a lot of women are in. And um, to do that, obviously, I need money. And I was really relying on this job to stash away money so I can get out. And now that it's gone, uh, I'm having to dip into the savings that I've had to get myself out of this household. I'm now stuck in the house with him. Um, he's considered essential, so he's still working. And, you know, as people know, in abusive relationships, there's a whole power dynamic going on. And the mm-hmm. only way to save yourself is to have your independence and power over yourself financially, emotionally. And uh, I'm in a position where now I have to bite down and just depend on him again. And, uh, there's just, there's a lot of mental stuff that goes on with that. You know, when you don't have your own job and you can't make your own decisions, you know, so I'm kind of, uh, backed into a corner for the moment and 
I think it's really important to remember, you know, it's temporary, but what really bothers me is that this is all so unnecessary and I had no decision on this. Um, that yeah. the state basically took my means away from me and put me in this corner. So, you know, I'm still looking for other work. And I actually was in the middle of applying for a better job at the time, too, before all this happened that would have had me set. And I probably could have been out of here within two months or less. But that place stopped hiring because of everything that's happening. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, that's that's where I'm at right now. And a lot of other women in my position. Yeah, I was thinking about that. And I was also thinking about, you know, Especially like if uh, if it's a single mom with kids or something, and she's also got to think about her children at the same time. Mm-hmm. It's just this has got to be really hard on everybody, especially you guys. And it just doesn't really seem like anyone is talking about those types of situations except for us. I have mm-hmm. not seen the news cover it. I've not seen politicians talking about it. And it's really frustrating to me. Well, what's really frustrating and it but it's like par for the course with seemingly any topic you want to get into. It's binary thinking. It's one thing or the other. It's you're either for quarantine and you're for the social distancing and including the lockdown, regardless of, you know, which state you're in and how especially like the harsher it is, like people are just really ready to listen to these author- authoritative figures and totalitarian um, implementation of these things, but it's like, there's no nuance. There's no room for nuance. There's no room for discussion. It's either you're for that or you're, you're, you want people to die. And it's like, well, no, like, but there it's, it's the whole one size fits all. Once again, we're seeing how that's absolutely not the way to go about things because there's people like you, there's, and you're not alone in that. And but we can't talk about that. And, you know, what happened to believe all women and what happened to, you know, if it's to save one life, but, you know, we're going to start seeing statistics come out. I mean, God, I already, I'm from Maryland. I already heard a horror story um, from a few weeks ago. And this is when, you know, things have just really started because we're about a month in here. Um, Mm -hmm. But like, so a few weeks ago, I heard about a guy who killed his family the neighbor kid witnessed him killing his family. So the guy killed that neighbor kid, went on a, you know, ran away, was trying to evade police um, interaction and then killed himself. But it's like, what the hell? And it was, you know, related to some job loss and probably some underlying mental instability, clearly. But it's just like, what about those lives? Those, his family members lives. And, like I said, it's just not it's not binary, but the media and the lemmings want us to think it's binary. Yeah, and I mean, it's kind of I understand why people are taking to uh, what the authorities are telling them and just running with it, because, you know, for a lot of people, their livelihood is a huge chunk of their identity. So what they've done is they've basically kicked people's identities out from under them. They're scrambling. They feel like they have no purpose day to day. And, you know, they have this perfectly 
packaged one-size-fits-all identity that they're just pushing to everyone with phrases like flatten the curve, stay home, do your part, and they're making them feel like they're a part of this bigger movement now so they're not alone anymore, you know, and of course it's going to grow that easily when you've taken a huge chunk of their identity and day-to-day from them. I mean, sadly, some people are really, I I don't want to sound like a bitch, but are that low complex like mm-hmm. and but I mean I was thinking about it yesterday or this morning like we were already in a pretty polarized mm-hmm. state of things and the tribalization of everybody was really ramping up I mean it has been for probably about a decade um I wonder hmm Jesse Anna what happened about a decade ago that was basically like what's going on now maybe virus aside but financially seems like times are similar like a huge financial crash like yeah huge financial ruin and un, um like so much economic uncertainty and you know yeah it's just economic uncertainty is just frightening for anybody um you know from it could frighten people from all over the financial spectrum but as with all these policies, we always see like fr- implemented from the top down and usually in very like diehard liberal bleeding heart. Well, it's for the poor. It's for the disenfranchised. It's for the little guy. And it's like, actually, the results of your policies end up hurting those people more than helping. And exactly. I it's like here we go again. Like here's another prime example. And then, um, Anna, I, I what I think is also important to also add to this conversation and like the understanding of all this, that there is nuance and it's not a binary situation. It's like, weren't you the one who was saying that your father would be considered a very high risk person? And so, yep, you kind of all in your family live your lives with a certain amount of caution anyway. Yeah. For, I mean, for years and years now, he's always been very weak. The, smallest type of infection could kill him. So we're used to thinking about death pretty much on a daily basis and living hygienically and cautiously and consciously of him. And uh, it honestly, it doesn't feel different to me. So I think I'm able to cope with what's going on a lot easier because we're well-practiced, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, But I think that plays a huge part in this is, I mean, there's a lot of people with at-risk people back home. I think almost everyone has at least one person that could die from COVID, you know. But I think that it would be very selfish of me if I expected people to lose their livelihoods for my dad's safety. Like, that is my responsibility to keep him safe. I would never want someone else to suffer because of it. We chose to keep him alive and to fight his illness that's our choice, you know. I think, I think a lot of people constantly are getting smacked in the face about death right now. And I think, honestly, that's a huge part to play, too, is everyone's acting like a whole bunch of neurotic, agoraphobic, hypochondriac-type personalities on a massive scale right now. And it's because they're getting reminded constantly, you can die, you can die. And I think the thing that kills me is, you know, I, you know, everybody knows I'm a nurse by this point. I'm, I'm assuming if they're listening to this show. But, I mean, I am surrounded by nurses who still fall for this crap. And I'm just starting to want, question whether or not, like, nurses actually think anymore. 
Like it makes me scared for our patients' futures. If we have so many nurses who don't even keep track of the data and they just blindly listen to the news telling them, like there's still nurses that are talking about like young people dying from this. And I don't know how many times they've the news and the data and the CDC talk about people under the age of 50. Like that's a very rare, uncommon scenario. Like right. these young, healthy people are not the people you need to worry about. Yeah, it's so bizarre to focus on that to me because it, it, it just doesn't make any sense statistically. Like it, It's not even significant, the amount of them that will die from it. You know, it's like you could worry about a million of other things that are more likely to kill young people. Oh, yes. Uh, that I mean, there, there was a nurse on one of my private groups. They went on a rant about his nieces and his children and his kids children or something like that. And I was like, well, unless they have leukemia or some kind of like immunodeficiency, they should be fine. I don't understand what you're complaining about. Don't worry about your kids. Worry about your grandma. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's what we, we need to worry about if anybody. Yeah. But if you've, like my grandmother is 94, she's got heart failure, you know, we've pretty much just, you know, keep her, we've known for, we've been trying to keep her out of harm's way for years. You were saying with your father, it's like those of us who have loved ones that we know are at risk. I mean, we've been taking care of them already to begin with and protecting them before this happened. So we kind of, know what to do yeah and you know that people bring up what about people who have uh pre-existing stuff they were unaware of and you know they don't know to be careful or you don't know to be careful with them and then bam they get it but the thing with that is is that they exist like that their entire life regardless of what's you know going on around them they're always at risk anyway you know and like people can take dna tests now and see like oh i'm at risk for these developing later and a lot of the time people who take those tests they don't even want to know the results or take the test because they'd rather be able to just live their life without constantly being scared that they're gonna die you know within a few years Mm -hmm. yeah for sure I, i i i've been like everybody i'm I'm lucky that I'm able to keep working and, you know, my independence is secure and I'm safe. And, you know, thank God for all of these things. But, um, you know, I doesn't mean I don't sympathize for, quote unquote, the economy. <laughs> like, oh, that evil abstract thing <laughs> that is just like relevant to greedy bankers and people right. on Wall Street, billionaires. It's like, no. That's you. That's like, like the economy needs to be healthy for your grandmother to stay healthy. Right. Um, that's another thing. It's just like, no, can't bring that into the equation. Like, but I get, I think that's a part of, you know, just ugh, government schooling and nobody understands what economics is. I mean, I didn't know it. I wasn't taught economics. I had to teach myself and listen and learn like on my own what economics was. But you know, people don't, it's meant to, it's one of those things where it's meant to be, meant to seem too complex for the average Joe and thus leave it to the authorities and we'll trust the experts. I mean, that's what we're doing here. Like trust the expert infectious disease doctors. And it's like, sure, like they study this and this is their wheelhouse. And like, you know, everybody kind of should stay in their lane, division of labor, but also at the same time, like, 
understand that everybody's got their own window, their own like very narrow vision. And mm-hmm. so you can't, some people can't really see outside their bubble and how it, they're only a part of this. So mm-hmm. like healthcare workers, I work for healthcare workers. I work with them. And like, I know the doctors at Hopkins are still very nervous about all this. I mean, they're handling it all well, but that's because like, they're probably the best of the best to be dealing with any of this. Um, any conspiracies aside, but um, they're not economists. They're, yeah. they're not. And honestly, they don't have to worry about other than, okay. So this might sound really just like daft to me, but like, they're not at risk of losing their job. <laughs> they're right. active in their job. There's like, they're, they're, you know, they're other than getting sick and, but like, they're not at risk either for the most part, you know, or else they wouldn't be in this line of work because that's a danger that they would sign up for. It's like, you know, I don't know. They're, they've got their blinders on too. Everybody seems to have their blinders on. And um, I, I think it's, very and you guys can tell me if you experienced this as well but it's like everything i see it's just politics as usual i yeah. see it's so ideologically driven and oh my goodness so today's 420 and i don't know if you guys have been watching uh twitter <laughs> and i don't even mean about like pot <laughs> i mean about um the harrisburg pa protests i was watching on twitter earlier and it's like Ugh. One, I think Twitter is definitely scrubbing anything positive that yeah, might be that might are. be coming out of uh, Harrisburg. But also, you know, it's I saw people comparing it to Charlottesville. They How? want it. They want it to be Charlottesville so bad, and they're calling it, it like um, you know, like you were saying, like everybody's like um so focused on death right now that and so everybody's so hyper paranoid about death and how much there it's like okay well if we're actually like really concerned about death let's look at the numbers see how few people have actually died like not to be insensitive about those who have died but like there's a time and a place to be afraid of death and honestly it's but not right now 40,000 people have died from covid in the united states i don't think that's accurate yeah okay but think about that do you know what the population of the united states is <laughs> i think i think that's it's less than that but um, yeah, I mean, yeah, just think even if that's true. So the best like estimate of uh, rough estimate of population in the U.S. is 330 million. OK, so what I saw when I just did a basic search for the population of the United States as of 2019, it was 382.2 million people. That's plus or minus whatever. Mm-hmm. But let's just say that's true. And let's just say 40,000 is true. If you divide that, you know, by. 382.2 billion you get uh, and then you times it by 100 so you get a percentage you that's 0.004 percent of the population have died from covid in the united states if and i'm just doing i'm just starting to think like that's just what i learned in statistics is how to get a percentage mm-hmm. that would not even be considered a significant number when we're when you're doing a scientific study, I mean that's just how pathetic. Like forty thousand when you put, when you watch the news, you hear forty thousand. You're thinking that's a lot of people, but when you put it in comparison to how many people that live in this country, that's actually a small amount. It's quite small. And then you um, compare that to the numbers, the unemployment numbers that are coming in. 
Mm-hmm. Last figure I heard was like two million, but I think that was like for one state, or you know, or just that was the new number added um, from what a number had already existed. I'm terrible with numbers. I stopped keeping track of unemployment once it got it got past ten million. <laughs> like, okay, then okay. yeah, <laughs> then it might have been like two million or two million new as of like this this past week or last week. And I don't even think I could be wrong on this, but I don't think we've even broken a million on positive COVID tests. But that's that could also just be because we just haven't had that many tests, you know, as we should have. So I'm not going to really care about that number. But I'm saying that goes two ways, though. Like, so it's like part of I don't know. And I'm kind of conflicted because it's like, F it, test everybody. Like, let's show how many people actually have this and are not symptomatic and are not dying. And then, um, but it's like, you know, I think Monica was saying on her, Monica Perez, everybody should follow the propaganda report, but she did this. And Jesse, you um, made me listen to it, but um, she did that interview with uh, David Crow, the infectious man. And um, so she said something, I think it was in that episode, but she, the phrase she said was, um, you know, if you, if you control the testing, you control the positives and like doing that controls the whole narrative. And so it's like, it's, I think there's definitely like certain calculations being made where it's like, do we want to have more positives? Um, so that like the, what is it? The numerator is higher. Yeah. And then so that it proves how it, again, not to be insensitive, but how insignificant the denominator is. I think it's just very not transparent what's going on. And then for them to just broad stripe of broad strike of a pen um, stroke, (laughs) broad stroke of a pen. They've just decided that, nope, nobody can work. um, Only if we say you're essential, but it's Mm -hmm. like, how do people feed their families? How can people get out of abusive relationships or households? Like, yeah, you know, I'm sure there's, Actually, we should probably check in on our friend. Um, what's her name? Primal Phantom. She's probably not doing good. Bookmark. Yeah. I mean, I just think that they thought, I guess they tried to say, well, we'll just give a bunch of government handouts to everybody and that should fix everything. Yeah, we're, we're. And we'll just tell landlords <laughs> not to charge rent and things like that. And we should be fine. But then it seemed like, and I can totally understand, like in my county, the number of deaths by suicide actually have outnumbered the number of deaths by COVID. And so sad. when they're listening to our governor, Bill Lee, saying, well, we need to hunker down until we have a vaccine. I don't, and number one, I don't think Bill Lee even understands how vaccines are made. So I think he just made a statement. And he didn't realize what he was saying. Mm-hmm. But when you're listening to him saying that and you think, well, when, when's that going to be? There's no end in sight. You know, you just think you get hopeless. Mm-hmm. And yeah, yeah, that's what leads to people doing stuff like that. I mean, and of course, we have a huge mental health problem in this country that we just don't take care of anyways. I mean, let's just face it. We don't take care of our mentally ill people in this country. And we don't even really address it in a lot of ways. And that's just a cultural thing. It's not necessarily a government thing. Mm-hmm. Um, Shouldn't be a government thing. They're not right. going to solve it. I mean, They're not our help. culture is uh, is very much about like... We want we want everybody to be a victim. We don't really want people to be empowered because if we have victims, then we have more dependence on government. So, okay, 
let's just make more people dependent on the government. And then we're going to say, okay, we're going to give you all these checks to kind of help you. Well, a lot of these people who own businesses, they were supposed to be getting their getting a, what was it? What is that bill called to help pay off, pay their, um, it was oh, a loan the small to kind of help their loans? business. Yeah. Uh, yeah. That well, tiny, the, that tiny fraction of that insanely, disgustingly huge stimulus package, you mean? That, well, they're, <laughs> like they're, like they're going to do something on top of the $1,200 that everybody was supposed to get, which I don't know yeah. how they made a promise for it. They can't keep it because they don't have enough money to do that because mm-hmm. they don't think, they did not think that there would be that many um, small businesses. But so, I mean, they, plenty of money went to their special interests and their friends, you know, like the Kennedy Center, um, yes. Boeing the airlines, Lockheed Martin, you know, all, all their friends, um, got like exorbitant amounts of money. And then they had this like piece of cheese, um, Mm -hmm. that was designated for small business loans or forgiveness or just assistance for, um, you know, what would be these failing small businesses due to these, um, due to the, like as a result of these, Measures or um, also I've been seeing and I don't know if you have, but uh, like huge restaurant chains like jumping in and trying to get the small business. Um, oh, yeah. It's like get out. <laughs> like we, you don't have a rainy day fund. How dare you? But I mean, well, that's, and that's just what I was thinking. We just have so many people who are just kind of living on the edge as it is just trying to like white knuckle it. And then we take we just rip the rug right out from under them with this. Mm-hmm. And we don't, and I feel very upset about it because I just don't feel like any politicians are talking about it. And we're all like hailing nurses as like these frontline heroes, but I don't even hear nurses talking about and saying, Hey, wait a minute. What about these people that are, what about all these suicide rates that are skyrocketing? What about all these domestic violence situations that are happening? And, um, ER nurses are seeing more um, children coming in because they're being abused by their parents. Mm. And that's what I was thinking about too. Like growing up, uh, I grew up in a pretty broke neighborhood and we had a lot of kids with just tweaker parents and whatever. Like the only time they would get a meal is if when we would go to school. Otherwise, you know, they're just like eating a loaf of bread off the counter or something, you know? So we have these and like the schools are like, oh, but we have programs we set up. There's schools that have programs that are still feeding kids right now while this is going on. But to do that, you have to go down there to get the I don't know exactly how it works. But point is, is these these kids that are like from kindergarten to second grade, they're not old enough to be aware of that. They're going to need their guardian or parent to make sure they're getting the program from the school, you know, to feed them right now. And they're not going to be thinking of that if it is a you know, mom that's neglecting their kid anyway. Exactly. And I was just thinking about that too. It's like, and some of these people, like, let's say, let's just give them the benefit of the doubt and they do want to pick up the packets of food or whatever that's left for them. They don't, some of them don't even have transportation to get there. And, you know, it's just with the school buses being shut down, school being shut down, there's no way for them to get their, get food to their kids that way either. And, and they're, probably if they are they can't get there they're probably not gonna you know really go out of their way to try and find a way to get that food i mean go on i was just saying there's just all kinds of scenarios where it's just like you're kind of leaving you're leaving the kid kind of in a vulnerable state because even if you're taking in all the scenarios in which the parents do pick up the food the kid might still be 
neglected in other ways or abused in other ways. So that's not really, you yeah. know. <laughs> yeah. Or like they don't get to interact with their friends. They don't. And honestly, like, you know, they're not showing, they're not allowing us being separate from other people. It's like the COVID virus aside or, you know, whatever, Corona-19 specifically, like this thing aside, you know, we're supposed to be together mingling and letting our immune systems continue mm-hmm. to get stronger and like combat other it's like right now like we're hunkering down inside you know I, I hope everybody tries to get as much outdoor time as possible because like the sun is your friend and it's been uh, where I'm living it's been a miserable spring so far so like that's depressing but like yeah. just the lack of sunshine's depressing but it's like we're becoming unhealthier by the day and I, I was realizing today how unhealthy I was eating and you know that's my problem I don't need any government body to tell me what to eat like please don't like you've already done enough damage government I I don't know it's just not said like sitting is the new smoking and what is what are most people doing these days we're sitting it's a lot of sitting and you know if you're lucky you're still working it's just a crazy mixed up world we're in right now and um I guess one more thing that I'll say before I stop talking again but um that you made me just think of oh my god did I lose it oh no no so like again like what you were saying is just like all these different scenarios of what's happening it's you know again just further example of how complex everything is and so and like it's everything's connected and so you know declaring one business or one shop non-essential like what did you just do to the chain like what's the chain reaction from that and so doing it on such a mass scale i mean like we've like we've already been discussing here like the ramifications and them being like negative are just endless but it's not going to be an easy pick back up and fix things when we're done with this you know what i mean it's already a struggle right now like trying to get um back to work and everybody's against it but uh, it's just everybody takes for granted how I guess because a lot of people are so at least if not dependent on the state for financial reasons like they're dependent on the state and the and the church the hierarchy this these authority figures they're dependent on them for their ideas and their beliefs you know it's like so many people that's their religion. That's their God. It's like, these are their, this is their direction, whatever they're told to do. And so, you know, there's, it's just like the creativity is shut down everything. It's like everyone's looking at one face of what represents experts, you know, the word experts, and they're just seeing this one face for it. But there's actually a lot of disagreement between all of the experts too right now about how to handle this. There's plenty that are speaking out against quarantine, but everyone just sees the face of CDC and here's what, you know, they are saying we should do. Mm-hmm. And they're not, no, like us as individuals, we're not getting to hear the full story and consider our options. I think that's the frustrating part for me as a nurse is that there's a lot of doctors out there that are giving good information and they're backing up their information with data and statistics. And I mean, there's even um, even if you listen to some of the things that Fauci says and, you know, he 
it, you realize like he's just kind of talking out of his ass. That's why so many people don't like him because he is admitting that the numbers are lower than they anticipated. He is, you know, he has admitted that the projections were wrong. So why is he still holding on and telling us that we need to hunker down still? That's what I don't get. You know? It's like, listen to me while I continue to be wrong. Yeah, I don't get it. And and people are like, well, just listen to Fauci. And I'm like, yeah, but Fauci is not, he's talking out of both sides of his mouth. What does he want to do? People are scared of the worst case scenario possible, no matter how unlikely it is, the worst numbers possible. Um, they're just focused on it, that it could even be a possibility. Well, we're all going to die someday. Exactly. <laughs> You're not getting out of it. I think it's weird because there's like, there's got, there's a healthy way to go about this where we still quarantine our at risk and our weak, and we can still try to be conservative with our resources in the hospitals, but still have strong, healthy people go out to work. And there was actually another doctor, I forget his name, but he came out and said, like, this is so counterproductive having all these healthy people cooped up and isolated in quarantines. Like, this virus is not being able to make its rounds within the healthy population for us to naturally build herd immunity. That virus is getting impatient. And people keep saying, well, it's because we just need to wait till the vaccine. But if you even look back to the Spanish flu, um, they try to claim that a vaccine is what, you know, introduced herd immunity then but if you actually look at the actual timeline during the spanish flu we already started to naturally gain herd immunity before the vaccine was even released to the public for the spanish flu it already yeah. started to decrease in numbers and we were already achieving herd immunity without the vaccine so and they said that about polio too i think when right as they the polio vaccine finally came out they started the cases of people getting it were just less and less every year I think that's normal. Um, I think, it, and just to, since you mentioned herd immunity, there was an article that I did that I posted on Facebook that got flagged and it was from a, a epidemiologist who was talking about how we need to go ahead and let our kids go to school, go ahead and get the young and healthy people out and letting them live their life so they can be exposed to the virus. And therefore that they, they can develop an immunity and be sort of the, the herd immunity protecting the more weak and vulnerable. And that got flagged and um, was it was considered false information because herd immunity doesn't protect fully against coronavirus is what they said. And I was like, well, I remember just like seven years ago when my daughter was born, all these people, all these anti-vax people were getting attacked by the vax people saying that they're not they're not getting herd immunity because they're not vaccinating their kids. So what, which one is it? Is it, is herd immunity like cool as long as we believe in vaccines are going to, are going to provide it for us? I don't get it. <laughs> yeah. It, like, uh, I guess natural, a natural introduction of herd immunity. That's not, you know, benefiting anybody financially. Except I mean. their, the people's immune systems, because once yeah. they, if they're actually exposed to the virus at full strength, everything they have lifelong immunity from that virus. But what we do with our vaccines is we weaken the virus or we replicate it in a lab somewhere and we inject it in ourselves and we have immunity for only so long, for only a few years. It doesn't last lifelong. That's why as you get older, you have to take titers, get blood drawn to see if that, if that, if you still have the antibody for those types of viruses, because we know Jeez. you're going to run out of that 
by the, you know, with everything yeah. you got as a kid, you probably are not vaccinated against it anymore. Just so you know. Actually, yeah, I have heard that too. That like, you know, the people yelling at anti-vaxxers were probably actually infecting kids themselves because they unknowingly like <laughs> they got so mad and they're yelling yeah, they in were, their face yeah right but yeah oh that too but um like they're unknowingly actually being the active carriers of um of the disease that they think like they're fine because they got their shot but it's like well you don't really know what it's still doing in you and what yeah. it might do to other people mm-hmm. yeah yeah and they, it's they're not that they're not the cure-all no. Never. None of none. Like there's not a single vaccine out there that's a cure all. It's that it's a hundred percent effective. And I don't know, it scares me to think like here we all are desperately waiting for this one thing and it's just like I am not taking that thing. <laughs> no, I'm not I mean, even if I and I'm not a complete hundred percent anti vaccinator, by the way. No. I, I, I am but I'm just very I I am skeptical of like why we skeptical. need to have so many of them and why you know they're necessary why all of them are necessary today because we do live in a much cleaner society here. Mm-hmm. Like for example, when I go to India, I always go and get the vaccinations that I need for India because that is a country that does not have clean running water. Mm-hmm. And where I go in India, there's open sewage, there's trash on the floor people living on top of each other. I am not stupid enough to not try and get some vaccines so I don't make myself seriously ill. Mm -hmm. So there are some reasons why you would do that. But I'm just saying, like, in general, in this country, like, for example, I'll just use measles as an example. Measles is not a deadly virus. I mean, when my mom was a child, her, she and her friends would have parties that were orchestrated by their parents so that they would all just kind of get measles at the same time and then get it over with. Kind of like how, when I was a kid, we did that with chicken pox. So, you know, Uh, I'd also like to point out and you know, this might, I might catch some flack for this, but just some, just pointing it out um, that, you know, like, so like you just said, you might be going to a remote part of the world or maybe not remote, but just like definitely, uh, underdeveloped uh compared to where we live here and okay so think about certain people's ideas about mass importation of people from third world countries to come live amongst us wherever in all parts of the country and while i'm cool with legal limit i don't know you know what that's it's a whole other issue but it's just like let's acknowledge that it might not be the anti-vaxxers who maybe didn't want to give their kids a plethora of dead viruses all at the same time. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe it's all these people that you're saying need to be here for just diversity purposes. And it's like, I, you know, I don't even know what that means, but um, they're coming from different worlds, different, different environments, different microbiomes, like everything about their world is different than ours. And so, you know, People are people. I'm all about the individual. I don't know. Like, it's something to take into account and admit when you're wrong. Well, yeah. And I think, I mean, everywhere you go, people have different ideas of what cleanliness is. I mean, we think in America we're clean. But, you know, I've been to places in some rural areas, some trailers, that their idea of cleanliness is very different from mine. 
and they all tend to have a lot more health problems. So, you know, it might be that instead of us focusing so much on vaccinations all the time to fix everything, we might need to do a lot more like our job as nurses and health professionals should be maybe educating people on how to be how to stay healthy by keeping their their environment cleaner. You know, we've come a long way in America, for sure, with having clean water. And that's been a major help. Um, I don't know if you guys are familiar with Dr. Shiva. Yep. Um, Yep. He talks about that as like, you know, our infrastructure is really what's going to protect us. If we have clean drinking water, we have our sidewalks are cleaned off. We have good interstate systems with with the roads not falling apart. All these things play a part in helping protect us from sickness. And I, I think that, that we, we downplay that a lot. People like Bill Gates thinks, well, we just go to India where people are live are peeing on the side of the road yeah, and living in open sewage. We'll fix it. Yeah, we'll just give them a vaccination. That's what that'll fix the problem. Well, no. They need to learn how to so ignorant. Clean a little bit. <laughs> like their <laughs> governments or their cities need to do a better job of trying to clean up the environment because it's, you know, some of these p- people, especially the poor people, they don't have a choice but to live in utter squalor. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's just sad. And for the record, is India, Jesse, a burgeoning capitalist society? Just free market no. ideas? Yeah, no. Uh, their not. government is very, <laughs> very, very corrupt. I mean, that's one of the things that people don't understand. Like when you meet a person, like if you meet, a, I love Indian people. I think they're very smart. Just like a Chinese person. I mean, you know, we really, they're getting a lot of bad rap, but, you know, Indian, Indian people are very intelligent people. They're very educated, but there's just something about their culture, like in their, their government that it's about money and they, they like, they like their power and they like their money and they will make you like, for example, if you want to start a business in, in India, there's, you have to kind of fill out a bunch of papers. You might have to bribe some people to kind of give you the license. And there's a lot of money and a lot of time spent on just trying to get a business started. Whereas in Hong Kong, if you want to start a business, just selling t-shirts off the side of the road, you just do it. And it's just not a free country. It's not a free society at all. And they make it very hard for people who are born in certain caste systems to rise up levels and, and be successful. There's a whole bunch of reasons why they're, why they have, why they're, situation is much worse than ours and it all has to do with freedom agreed and i think that can go back to our whole situation here is everyone's concerned about safety but really you don't you you can't really achieve your own safety if you are not independent if you're Mm -hmm. dependent you're never going to be safe ever if you're completely dependent whether it's on your abusive husband or your your shitty parents or the government. Yeah, for sure. Something real quick while I'm thinking about it. And again, it's just like, you know, if if we don't even have the conversation about like how to, how to open up and how to regain some normalcy and keep the people, keep everybody healthy with a stronger economy, you know, so people, it's been circulating Facebook for a while and they I'm sure you got, let me know if you've seen it or not, but like, so it's a video of somebody who, it's a man who had gone to the grocery store and it's totally like comedy, but which is funny, but anyway, so it's a guy who went to the grocery store and he's got all his um, stuff out there. And he was saying in the video, 
and you don't see his face. You don't see anything but his groceries stacked on his uh, countertops. And so he says, you know, I went to the grocery store and just the shelves were bare. There was nothing there. I, I couldn't buy anything. And then when I was leaving the store in the parking lot, I ran into a bunch of people that just were so willing to give me their stuff. They had extras or I don't know. They're just very generous, willing to give it to me. And so then you see him pointing like they gave me eggs. They gave me toilet paper. And his point, he's pointing with a handgun, you know, like it's a (laughs) it's a joke. And if you haven't seen it, like it's funny, but also it's I mean, it's funny because it's like dark humor, which I'm all about. But it's like, can we not? Talk about the fact that, like, it will get that desperate if the things are continuing to be um, shut down. Mm -hmm. You know, people are going to get that desperate when they don't have money and they might have a gun, you know, and they might have nothing else to lose. It's just I don't know why we can't take that seriously, too. I no, it doesn't I, mean I ban either. guns like that's not it, it means like let's let everybody be free to uh, regain or gain some more in, independence and provide for themselves and their families. I think that's my biggest thing as a nurse, just kind of like I've always thought, you know, you always have to think about all the extraneous scenarios. So when this thing was shutting down at first, I was like, OK, we're just going to be shut down for a couple weeks because the virus lasts 14 days or whatever. And then We'll go, we'll come back to life again. And then it just kept going and going and going. And I was like, okay, I know people that are like laid off now. I know people like I have a close friend whose husband is in rehab now because he started drugs again Mm. and started drinking again. And, you know, even like even within, I know more people in my close circle of friends and my family that are going through situations that are caused by the panic rather than the virus. I don't know anybody who's sick from the virus in my town. Mm-hmm. I don't know a single person. I don't know how that is. I'm sure that it's different in, in major cities, but I think most people in small areas like me are wondering, why are we still doing this? It's destroying my community around me. I mean, it should definitely be like more localized. And I hope, you know, people start to realize that decentralization is going to be the key. It's like, I mean, a lot of people, a lot of governors are ignoring Trump as they should be like what they what do they want him to do? Like people are desperate for Trump to be a dictator that they said he was. And it's just like, I don't know what your problem is, man. But, um, you know, and, and so like I'm in Maryland. And so Maryland is it's surprisingly a lot more rural than people might think, you know, like I live in a pretty rural County. Um, I'm like in a little hub of it, but I'm surrounded by tons of open spaces and fields and farms, farms that have been here for hundreds of years and, you know, other counties, even further away from where I am, like I'm pretty close to about 30 minutes outside Baltimore, but it's like, I mean, like, the counties in the mountains where the population is low and let them where they're absolutely not affected by the sickness itself, but are absolutely in going to be in worse financial condition than they were prior to this. Like, you know, here we are trying to get people to it's we're still recovering from the financial collapse from about a decade ago. And it's like, okay, take the rug out from underneath people all over again. So, Anna, I have a question just about your situation. Like, is your significant other 
is he under any stress right now or anything like that that you can tell from just because of this quarantine? At work, there's some added stress just because um, he's at odds with opinions with everyone he works with, and he feels like he can't really speak freely there. So there's a lot of pent-up anger because of that. But also um, at his workplace, I would say about half of the people are staying home right now, and there's kind of a lot of confusion with uh, communication going on since everyone's kind of dislocated right now. Yeah. So, yeah, I would say there's some added stress because of that. But he he really has never been the type of person to handle any stress well. So <laughs> it's kind of nothing new. <laughs> okay. And, and and what do you what do you do to kind of stay out of his way for now? Well, at this point, like it's been so long that I'm pretty desensitized to things and I kind of just ignore him and let him do his thing. It, it's hard because before I would uh, usually go out with my best friend and just have coffee or something and stay away from the house. And now I can't really do that. And uh, with my um, family, I mean, they're here for me, but I can't go over to the house right now because, you know, my dad and everything. Right. So, yeah, usually my, my way would be to go to my other people, my group of people who support me. But now I kind of just... Um, I don't know, tune out and just listen to something or read or something and go to a different part of the house. (laughs) Yeah. I guess that's all you can do at this point. Play it cool. Is there anything that our listeners can do to kind of help you or? I think mainly what everyone should really take away is that we should all be trying to help ourselves as well as each other, but that with the current situation, it kind of sucks because the government has limited the ability to help ourselves as much as we could be right now. If anyone's listening that's in a similar situation, I just hope that they would take away that uh, it's not like it's completely helpless and like you're going to be stuck forever. There's still things you can do right now, even though you're limited, but you know, it's temporary and it's important that even if you're in a crappy situation right now, you still need to take responsibility for yourself and the decisions you make and the risks you've taken and um, keep trying to build your way up and out of it, regardless of whatever obstacles in your way. Yeah. I mean, and any of the guys who are listening to this, just share this with, if there's, if you have run into somebody who just doesn't get why people want to get out and be free, let them listen to this podcast, this episode, especially because this is what we're talking about. And you're, you know, Anna's definitely just one example. There's many, many more that are in these types of situations. And there's children that are in these situations and they don't have a voice. It can be dangerous, too. I'm very lucky. I want to make that pretty clear. Like, I've been physically abused by him, but we're at a point where it's been so old that it just doesn't happen as often. But there's people who are getting hurt every day every week physically you know there's people who go to sleep and wake up getting their face punched i've had that happen once but there's Mm. people who have that happen all the time and they're in it right now stuck yeah and they're limited in what they can do because their job's not legal anymore yeah and i was just thinking i there are some abusers out there that really love the fact that they kind of have this advantage right now and that's what's scary. There really are some Second psychotic people, people out there. 
Yeah. My experience in mental health, I mean, I've literally talked to some of these people and it's just creepy listening to how they they kind of justify their actions. Mm-hmm. There's always a justification. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. And I guess one last thing I'd say is that um, so we obviously all know because we are critical thinkers and we understand that just because the economy turns back on, you know, it's a cure all and all these people are safe from abuse now. And, you know, Anna, Anna's road is clear and it's like, well, it, it's going to be a lot clearer. And then, you know, I think it will turn. I think this experience is going to affect everybody differently. But I think I really do think that while there are plenty of people that are just going along with it and just enjoying um, having somebody tell them what to do and being OK with all of it, there's going to be a lot of people that wake up from this and realize that they're not as secure as they once were told they were. And they're going to fix that. Whatever their situation might have been, I do think it's going to change people. And I think hopefully change a lot of people that were able, that were in places to be changed and places to learn. I think a lot of people are going to come out of this, coming away from this at least, stronger or ready to reinforce themselves Mm -hmm. so that this will never affect them the same way. You know, because it was so easy for the government to do it this time. I mean, they relished that. They really just licked their lips and loved that. So we all have to be ready for them to do something else this unpredictable and this catastrophically um, destructive yeah. of, of our livelihoods. Right. I was also thinking another way, a takeaway, and this is just for, you know, most of us who are ANCAPs or voluntarists and libertarians, we always talk about how we don't want government involved in things. Well, this is an opportunity. You know, we know that these people are out here that need our help. We need to get together and try to help, you know, our communities. When we see somebody in a situation, we need to step in and, and step up to what where our responsibilities are. Because if we don't want government involved, then that means that we have to do it. We have to be the replacement. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, I don't know. Is there anything else more we need to say about that? I think we pretty much... Ah, yeah. I don't know. I think we did it. Do you feel like you got a chance to say what you wanted to say, Anna? Yeah. Yeah, I think I did. Thanks for having me. Well, thank you for Absolutely. coming on. I know that it was it's not easy finding time to to record with two people to talk about <laughs> your situation. Maddie, do you want to take Sign us, out? us out? Yeah. Thanks everyone again for checking us out, the Voluntary Vixens and our friend Anna. Again, we found her in our Instagram community and we just want to thank everybody who listens, everybody who interacts with us. We're so happy, wanted to have you listening, but the ones who actually reach out and talk to us, even if it's about nothing and just laughing at memes, like we love that and we love the community we're a part of and, you know, we want to do what we can with that and so you know we're here we're here to listen um jesse has weird sleeping hours because of her nurseness so you know (laughs) she's there i've got weird add during the day so you know i'm there but um you know we're here for you and so vixies uh until next time keep it sane keep it peaceful and keep it voluntary 